Welcome to On the Blacktop, the show that helps you be a better salesman. I'm Kelly Maggs, and I'm coming to you tonight. We're going to talk a little bit more about that road to the sale we spoke of last week. I got some comments in the feedback that uh, we're kind of jumping around and we're covering some stuff for some new people, but we're also covering some things that might be a little too advanced for some new people, so I do apologize for that, and that's something that we're going to have to pay attention to as we go forward, but I do like to kind of cover the topic as we, you know, arrive at it. It's more of a, it's more of a, you know, fluid thing when you're selling cars. It's not necessarily a, a rigid process because you have to deal with people and you have to adjust on the fly. So there may be some content that you feel is either, you know, too basic for you or at the same time too advanced. So I think we can all, you know, we all like to talk about going back to the basics. So might be an opportunity for some of you old, old car dogs to, you know, maybe refresh up on some of the things we should be doing. And some of the rookies, it might give you a little bit more of an insight into what is happening ahead of you in your career. So, you know, I do know it does jump around a little bit, but and I apologize for that. But that is what happens. And, and you know, we're just going to have to take it with a grain of salt. I think one day maybe, we'll, we, maybe we will split this up into two segments where I do something for beginners and something for advanced. But in the meantime, I think there's something that everybody can gather out of what we're talking about. So I'd like to just keep doing it the you know basic format we have. We do have some guests coming up in the future. And uh, so it might break up the monotony a little bit of just me talking. But hopefully you're getting enough out of it to keep listening, uh, liking it and sharing it and talking to other people about the show. And hopefully we can get a little bit of an audience. So just uh, keep that in mind. As we move forward, we want to just, you know, kind of reflect on what we talked about last week. We talked about that pre-sell information. We talked about, you know, not just ask the initial question, always ask that follow-up question. And I want to, I just want to talk a minute about how that relates to the closing of the sale. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, but, you know, it's so important to set everything up so that when you're dealing with customers, you know what, you, you kind of know where the road's going. You, you know what kind of vehicle you're going to show them. Even if they've done their own research, you know which model might work best for them. So there's so many different options we have as professionals that we can use to to kind of help guide the sale and put things in, uh, you know, in put the ball kind of in your court so that you have a little bit more control. Because ultimately, if you're following a customer around, then they've got the control, and you and, and it's very important that you gain control of that situation. It doesn't have to be something like dominant or anything crazy like that. It's just a matter of knowing that these people don't do this every day. This is something that you do on a daily basis and it, and it almost becomes numbing aspect really is just about the fact that we do this every day. I mean, we, we deal with $30,000, $40,000 transactions all day. Like it's nothing. And legitimately it's a huge deal to this customer. I mean, for most people, I mean, what's the average salary these days, 30 grand a year in the United States. So, you know, for these people, you're spending more than one year's worth of their income on a vehicle and we act like it's no big deal. It's not that important. Let's just move through this and get it going. And you have to slow down a minute. I mean, I've been on the other side of that transaction in recent months. And sometimes you're dealing with salespeople that just don't care. I mean, they just, it's strange that they would expect you to spend 50, 70, $80,000 with them. And they're not even going to give you a good presentation. Let alone listen to what your wants and needs are. So you know, you guys that are that are the pros out there, you got to slow down. You need to slow your process down. I mean, legitimately, I understand that, you know, you don't want to be with somebody five or six hours during your day on a Saturday. But let me tell you something. If I'm spending 50 G's, you better you better spend five hours with me. 
I mean, that's 10 grand an hour. I mean, you've got to, you just got to kind of put it in a little bit of perspective. And I know it's sometimes it's strange that like, oh boy, the time we spend is a waste, but you know, other than just sitting there and, and waiting for something to happen in the finance department or whatever you happen to be waiting on at the time, spend some time, get to know your customers, you know, spend some time with them on the car, show them what they bought. I mean, it's, it's very easy for us to sit back and, and act like this is just no big deal because to us it isn't. I mean, it's not our money, but let's remember that the person on the other side of that table is spending $70,000 with you today and he deserves every penny's worth of presentation demonstration and attention. So that's really your job as a sales professional. You need to take the time with this pre-sale information. I can, again, you know, I spent a lot of time on this last week and I really don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse, so to speak, but it's very important. I mean, to find out more about your customers just makes you a better salesperson in the long run. It makes you somebody that they want to do business with. It makes you somebody that they're going to send their friends to. That's what this business is about. It's about building something. It's not about just a transaction. It's not a transactional business. It seems that way because we make it that way. This is a this is a high energy, motivating business that you have to keep yourself positive. You have to keep yourself in front of the negative things that can happen in inside a dealership. I mean, there's a lot of people, hey, listen, there's days that are going to go by when you don't sell things. You don't sell something today. Guess what? In a commission-based business, you don't make any money. But guess what? That doesn't mean that the day was wasted. If you spend it doing the right things, like we talk about all the time, doing your phone calls, spending time with people in service, talking to prior customers, asking for referrals, following up on people that you've done business with, making sure everything's happy, making sure they're completely happy, making sure anything they've ever had a problem with, you're there to be a part of it. I mean, it's important for you as you start building your career for the new people and as you continue building your career for the old people that you're going to have to just wrap your arms around every single person you deal with. And you're going to get to a point where, yeah, one day you're going to be able to fire some of these customers because you know what? You don't have time to deal with the people that you don't get along with. You know I mean? You can actually structure your entire business plan around dealing with people that you like to deal with. And it's not unusual for that to happen. I mean, people that are in this business a long time, especially if they don't ever move into management or move up into different positions, if you truly dedicate yourself to the craft of being a salesperson, you can build your business almost like a, it's almost it's almost like a really good realtor. They don't have to work all the time. They get phone calls and people are contacting them and the workload becomes a lot less for those guys because they spent all the time building things the right way. And you know what? You don't have to work for the guy that makes you 50 bucks, 100 bucks every time he comes in. You could deal with the guy that pays you a grand every time he comes in. And those are the kind of people, they'll pay a little bit more money to do business with you. And when it comes down to it, they're not, when the next time they need a car, they're not shopping 15 different dealerships, looking online, doing all that stuff. They're just going to call you. They're going to do business with you because of you, not because of what you sell, not because of where you sell it, but because of you, the individual. Yes, money always comes into play at some point in time. However, the majority of transactions in our business are done because of the person on the other side of the table, not because of the money. And that's where a lot of people get confused about what we do. And this is, you know, I'm going to direct back towards the new guys now. You know, you may be the most scared of the money part of this business. And that, and that's natural. I mean, I think we all had that feeling, but that's not really where 
the transaction occurs. The transaction has nothing to do with money. The transaction has to do with mental ownership and physical ownership. Now, the mental ownership part is is really where we're at. We're at the point where we're going to be using the information we're finding out on how to get this customer to take mental ownership. And by us doing a better job, talking to them more about their wants and needs, digging in a little bit deeper, finding out more about them as an individual, asking those follow-up questions, you're going to be given a roadmap on how to sell this car and customize your presentation to them. So that's why this is an important step. I mean, I could sit here, I get to, I really could honestly do three or four shows just on this topic, but I promised myself I wouldn't do that. So I just want you to really understand. And this is something we're going to cover multiple times. I mean, it's not something we're just going to hit on and leave because there's only so many steps to the sale. So we'll definitely be revisiting this. And if there's any particular questions you come up with, you can put it in the comments and I'll try to answer those as best possible. But, you know, if you, the longer you take and the time that you spend just, you know, investing your time, energy, and effort in building that relationship with that customer, learning more about them, tailoring your presentation to them, that's what's going to make you better. That's what's going to get them sending you business as opposed to you trying to get them to send you business. And that's really where this business needs to go for you as the individual. It's not hard to, to, to just come in and be a transactional salesman, but it becomes harder over time because what happens is you start getting worn down, you start getting tired. And those days when you don't sell something, you do start getting negative. That negativity starts creeping in your head. And once that negativity gets in your head, you're done. I mean, I can tell you right now, I I can look around and, and I can see salespeople and I can tell you at what stage they're at. And that's, that's kind of a cool thing for me being, you know, in the position that I'm in, I can actually step back and see those kind of things. And it gives, and it affords me the opportunity to move in or not when I want to. Um, sometimes if it's a new person and I know they're struggling and I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong by doing this, but I don't, I don't, if I think they don't have the ability to, you know, make this a career down there, you know, for the long haul, I may, I may just let them, let them flail and fall out. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, it just does. But if I've got somebody in front of me that, Hey, this guy's been a pretty good salesman for me for six, eight months. And you know, or she's been, she's been selling cars for two years and she know, I know she can do this. So I'm going to invest that time with them and try to pick them up and put them back on the right course. And, you know, sometimes you try to do that and those people again will, will struggle a little bit. So it's just, it's just a matter of keeping them mentally focused and correct. And, and, and number one, I mean, we have to let, you know, you have to understand that this business is all about self-motivation and that sometimes can be difficult for people. And, you know, I, I can't imagine not being self-motivated and I almost sometimes to my fault, I anticipate everyone being self-motivated and I don't, and I don't think that that's necessarily the case. And I, and I'm, I know that that's not the case because I've seen it time and again. So, you know, for you, the individual, if you're going to do this business and you're going to do this business in the long haul, you've got to be self-motivated enough that these individual days, three, four days in a row, five days when you don't sell anything, those things can drag you down and you have to have the wherewithal and the mental capability to turn on something like this show, go back, listen to it and say, Hey, you know what? I can push through this. I just got to get back to the basics. And that's what we're talking about today. So we're going to move on forward in a couple of things, but I just want to kind of give you that insight mentally. This is a very mentally challenging business. 
And every single person that's in it has gone through this at one point in time. And it's not something that we all sit there and talk with each other about, but it's, it's in, it's in every single one of us's mind. I mean, everybody hits that wall and everybody goes into that slump and it's your ability to pull out that really matters. And that's the key. So you got to keep yourself motivated. You got to listen to that rock and roll on the way in or whatever you want, whatever you like, the hip hop, whatever it is that gets you motivated. Listen to your podcast. Listen to something that's going to pump you up and push you in the right direction in the morning because you don't want to wallow in your self-pity. You don't want to feel like, oh man, it's dead. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. Well, you have to make things happen. Make it happen. That's your job. That's what you do. No one's, you're not, you're not depending on anyone else to make your money. That's what you have to do every day. When you wake up, you put your pants on, you put your shirt on and you go to work. That's what you do. Roll up your sleeves, get to work, make them phone calls, talk to those people in service, spend time with your customers, digging in, making it a better experience for them. Now, once you got that little bit of background information, you know, the next thing we need to do is product selection. Product selection is pretty much, this is the next step in the road to the sale. So, so far we got the meet and greet. We got the pre-sale information, needs analysis, uh, guest information sheet, whatever you want to call that particular section at your store, because they are all different, like I said. The next thing we're going to do is we're actually going to pick out a car. Now, for the new people, best option for you, take all the information that you have. Now, your guest information sheet's gonna cover a couple other black and white issues that I did not cover in my pre-sale questions that I talked about, mainly because they're boring and they're pretty much simple math and they're direct answer questions that don't have necessarily a follow-up question, so to speak. They could, but may not. So, you know, you wanna know what the customer's payoff is. Um, did, were they the original person that bought the car? Who did they buy from? Where did they buy from? Did they get any extended warranties on that? Um, why they chose to go with the lender that they chose. Was it something that the dealer provided for them? Was it something that they did on their own? Um, you don't want to throw too many different ideas there, but it is nice to have that information because when you go to the desk, you're going to have to have everything. The manager is going to ask you a bunch of questions and, and it's important that you know that because number one, you wanted the manager to know that you're heading in the right direction with the customer, that you kind of know what you're doing. And uh, you also want their guidance in selecting a vehicle that's going to work best for you. Now, Let's just take one second and talk about what is a good way to pick out a car. A couple ways to do it, but what I recommend you do is I recommend you present all the information to your manager and let him decide which one's going to work for you, especially if you're a new person. It makes it pretty easy. As you've been around the dealership a little while, you're going to start realizing um, the cars that the managers are pushing you towards when you have certain types of customers, and you're just going to automatically migrate to those cars when you have a similar customer so if you got someone that's upside down five thousand dollars which means they owe five thousand dollars more on their car than its value is so customer comes in has a 2015 malibu let's say the car's worth nine grand but they owe 14 so they've got five grand of negativity that means there's five grand owed on that car that it is not worth that particular amount of money that five grand would roll over to a new car now that's not always going to work. So if your manager has identified a car that can cover that $5,000, that's the car they're going to push you through. So as an, you know, as a pro, you're going to know going back and say, Hey, I've got another customer that's upside down five grand. And this is the car they showed me last time. You can kind of head in that direction, but again, touch base with your desk. Cause then maybe there's another car that might actually work better on their particular scenario, but your managers are going to guide you in the right direction. Plus they're going to be able to do a quick glance and say, Hey, Looking it up real quick, this trade's worth 10, they owe 15, they're five grand negative. All right, I want you to show them this car, this car, and this car. 
all they're going to try to do is put you in the right direction on the cars that you like. Now, uh, as a manager, I tend to pick out three cars. I like to show a customer at least three cars because if you show them one car, they're probably going to feel like you're just trying to push one car on them. If you give them options and choices, it almost feels like they're shopping multiple dealerships. So it's an opportunity for you to kind of eliminate the need for them to shop. Now, that being said, let me, let me back up one half a second. What I'm going to do as a desk manager, number one, I'm going to show them a car that's absolutely wrong for them. It will not work. They will not like it. It's, it's really nothing that they should be looking at, okay? And I'm going to just say like, okay, this customer that's in this 15 Malibu, I might show them like a 13 Kia Soul, okay? Sounds crazy. But uh, unless they're really trying to lower their payment and really trying to do something crazy, they're not going to want to go down to a 13 Kia Soul, especially when they told you they're looking for SUVs. However, you could say when you present this car, hey, look, I got the Kia Soul. It's got a lot of room in it, just like an SUV. And I thought it might be something that could be a little more affordable for you and at least give you the option of saving a little bit of money. Now, that being said, as a manager... I already know they're not taking that car. So you might ask, why would you make me show them that car? Well, if I show them the Kia Soul and I know they're not going to like it, maybe by the time I get to the actual car I want to sell them, they're going to look a lot better at that car than they would have if I was showing it to them first. So let's let's just take a step back. I'm going to show them three cars. I'm going to show them a 13 Kia Soul. I'm going to show them a 15 Impala or something just a little bit nicer than the Malibu that they're driving. And then I'm going to show them that 1718 Equinox, or I'm going to show them that 1718 CRV, which is the SUV that they came for. However, if I took them directly to an LX CRV, the ba- most basic CRV they make, or the most basic Equinox they make, the customer may look at it and go, well, you know, my Malibu had leather, and this car doesn't even have leather. I mean, So I'm giving up all the things that are important to me just to go into an SUV. Well, that's that's actually not the case. Whereas if I would have shown them that 13 Kia Soul, they'd be like, eh, you know, this is small. This isn't really what I want. Then I show them another car and they're like, man, this car's a little bit bigger, but it's still not doing what I want. By the time they see that SUV, they're like, man, this is what I was talking about right here. This is what I want. And this is ultimately, that's the excitement level you have to get out of your customers. And you're not going to do that by always taking them directly to the car you want. So that product selection, work with your managers a little bit. You guys can together dial these things in. It's not something that's like a magic trick or anything. You guys can work together. I mean, that's what it's about. Selling cars is a team, and that's a team effort between you and your manager, you know? And, and we're not out to hurt the customer or mess with the customer, but we certainly want to make our job easier if possible. <clears throat> Sorry about that. So now we've got the car picked out, right? We're going to pick out the kind of car they want. Now there's a chance that, hey, listen, I show them this CRV and they don't like it either. And I may have to go up to something different. But I promise you, if you really focus on, (coughs) excuse me, if you focus on showing them a car that's a little below what they have, another car that's a little in line with what they have, maybe a little bit nicer, and then you kind of show them what they came in for, they're typically going to migrate towards that car that they came in for. Now, they might have said, hey, listen, I want to, I want to, you know, leather and sunroof and all these things are important to me. Well, 
we also know that that's going to be way out of their payment range. So we need to adjust and move them down. And I promise you, you show them the car with the leather and the sunroof and the navigation and everything like that, you're not moving these people back down. However, if you show them the Kia and then the Impala, and then you finally show them the car without the sunroof and the Navi and all those different things, they're probably going to go for it. Because you know what? It does satisfy their needs. Those other two didn't satisfy their needs. So now it's finally like, hey, we won. We found the car we like. It wasn't really the car that they liked. It's the car that we showed them that would work for them. You know, so there's a couple of little tricks that you can use by, by, by finding out all that pre-sale information. And, and this just kind of gives you a glimpse into the first one. So definitely use that. Talk to your manager and, and, and kind of use that angle when you're picking out those vehicles. Now, if you have a customer that comes in and let's just say it's one of those lot people that, you know, they bounce onto the lot and you can't really stop them and bring them inside and slow them down and do all the steps that you need to do inside. They're on the lot and they're looking, you know, they, they want an accord and they know where they're going and that's where they're heading. So what I highly recommend you do is try to move them down to a different car, move them to a car that's cheaper and doesn't have all the equipment on it because by the time they get back up to the car they really want, it might be a little more satisfying to them and make your job a little bit easier when you get inside. Now, not everyone's going to go for the first car you show them, and you may have to show them five or six or seven different cars. But ultimately, if you work with your management team, you guys will be able to land on the right car. I mean, that's the, that's the, really the key is taking all that information you found on pre-sale, selecting the right vehicle. Now, sometimes what's really crazy about our business is Sometimes you get that customer that's, uh, you know, they're, they're adamant, boy. They know what they're looking for. I'm going to give you an example here. Um, oh, geez, this is probably 25, 25 years ago. I was selling cars. I was working at a Ford store, and I sold trucks, and it was kind of fairly common that you get a family in there looking at um, conversion vans. They were huge back in the day, and I had, I had been fortunate enough to uh, flown up to Elkhart, Indiana, spent some time at the Explorer Van Company, and it was really, they were really an impressive operation and they had me fired up. I mean, there was, they, they, they really had a very good quality product as far as the vans go. So I spent the day with a customer and sold them really wholeheartedly on this van and it was all done and wrapped up. We had a car deal and, and we were waiting on finance and we, unfortunately the way our building was set up is we had um, the truck building was in one area and then the finance department was inside the new car building, which was, you know, couple hundred yards away so we'd have to walk over but we walked over and as we were waiting on finance there's a mustang convertible sitting in the showroom and so i got a family of eight who's been looking for freaking you know conversion vans all day that's all they've been looking at and they buy a mustang convertible right in the middle of the showroom as we're waiting on finance to finalize the deal on the conversion van so they just they fell in love they're like that's the car. you know what we need that car we don't need we don't need a conversion van so they ended up walking out with that other car to my shock. But at the same time, the good news on that story is, again, they made an impulse buy. And we're going to back up to our pre-sale information, finding out, selling people the right cars. Those things are important, right? Guess what? Those people came in a couple days later. They had some buyer's remorse. They didn't. They weren't happy with their purchase. They were happy with it, I should say. They kept that car. They loved it. But they also got the conversion van that they really, really needed in the first place. So... Sometimes people make an impulse purchase. Sometimes you're going to get people that just do something off the wall. You're, you're, you're like showing them SUVs the whole day and at the last second, bam, they buy a freaking convertible. So who knows what's going to happen with them, but go with the flow, do what you got to do. But 
you know, in that needs analysis, in that pre-sale information, 90% of the time, that's going to guide you down your road to the sale. And picking out those cars, that product selection, you know, work with your managers and make it happen. So really important steps and all of them are on the road to the sale. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the walk around, the features and benefits and using that pre-sale information to better sell the car to your customer and taking time. Make sure they know how everything operates. Listen, I'm going to give you a story. Just spent $50,000 on an RV, right? The fifth wheel trailer we're going to pull it behind. We're going to do a little vacationing, right? Well, okay, so I bought this thing and the it was a strange scenario. And I'm going to just spend a, some strange reason in the RV business. You never take delivery the same day. Or, or, or I guess historically that's not the way it's done. They expect you to have a list of things that you want fixed on them. I mean, even though it's basically brand new. They, you know, a door handle might be loose or a cabinet door might be loose or, you know, that's just naturally what happens as they're moving these things and driving them around. So we basically spent $50,000. We did all the paperwork. We did everything. And they put me with a service manager to do my walkthrough. And it, and it was really, the guy knew what he was, like the guy was very technical. Like he's like, here's your, you know, here's your breaker system and here's this and here's that. But what really hurt, what really made me feel like I, I got like I didn't get the whole package that I paid for, was that they didn't spend the time showing me how to set it up, how to get the jacks up and down, how to how to connect it to my truck. They never even connected it to my truck and showed me how to disconnect it. I've never done this before in my life, so I I'm, I've got to watch YouTube videos when I get home to figure out even how to connect the damn thing to my truck. So it it just you know guys, those things. That resonates with me. That sticks in my head as a consumer that, you know, they I spent 50 grand and you guys didn't even take the time to freaking show me how to hook it up to my truck. I mean, you know, I had a class A motorhome. I got rid of it because I wanted something a little different and you're not even going to take the time to show me how to hook it up. That's your, that's a terrible job on their side because I left that place and I just feel like I did. I, I feel like I got a great deal because I did. But I just didn't feel like I got the service that I deserved. Some strange reason. That's me. Maybe that's me saying that I didn't get the service I deserved. Maybe I just feel that in the back of my mind because I know where I'm coming from. But I, I pretty much have to believe. You know how many times we let customers leave? I mean, and I want to think about this. I'm going to talk to the people in service for a minute. How many times you have a customer come in for an oil change? You check their tire pressure on the car and then they leave. They have a flat tire and their spare tire is flat. You know what? We didn't check their spare tire. That's your, that's a terrible thing. Why would that ever happen? As a salesperson, every customer that leaves that dealership should know how to change their own tire. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's the kind of stuff you have to show people because yes, you don't want that to happen to them. But if it ever does, and you took the time to show them how to do it, man, what, what does that say about you? That makes you the best salesperson you can possibly be. And they're never going to forget that. They're never going to forget that you cared enough about them, not only during the sales process, but you cared enough about them that when they're in their worst time in their car, a flat tire on the side of the road, they know what to do. It's crazy. Nobody tells you that, but that's what happens. You have to tell them everything. You have to teach them what to do. You have to show people what they're buying. Guys, that's all the time I got this week, and I appreciate everything. And listen, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about the show. Get them all on board. I'm telling you, it's all good, and it's going to be a great week out on the blacktop.